Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to a football show brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Zach Lyons, Braden Gall here, hanging out with you folks on, on a Wednesday. We do appreciate you guys uh, hanging out live with us. Uh, this is the only show you're going to need for the entire holiday weekend. That's that's what I'm going to say. This is the only one you need. I know F-Word's taking a week off. Well-deserved uh, for Mike Herndon and yourself. Uh, but we're here today. We're going to preview Carolina briefly. We're going to preview rivalry weekend, rival, rivalry weekend in the SEC briefly. We'll touch on some of those notes uh, that are going to take place this weekend. But by and large, we are going to focus on the thing we've been talking about for, I don't know, Zach, like eight weeks now, probably, which is close to it. Yeah. What does this Titans team know for sure about its roster heading into next season? And what questions have been answered and what questions have not yet been answered and they need to get answered over the course of the next few weeks with the remaining games they have on the schedule. This is this is a show that will last through the Panthers game. <laughs> so you can pick us up anytime you need to over the course of the next week, maybe longer. Uh, and I think some of these questions will get answered, hopefully, over the course of the remainder of the season. Uh, I assume there are many that will not, and that will have to be addressed in the offseason. But we're going to do our best, because, Zach, you have said this all along. It is about finding answers to questions for this team. It is now time for us to lay out what exactly those questions are and what do we think actually has been answered? Joey says, Dillard ain't that guy. They definitely know that. That is a perfect yeah. example of Listen, an That was an easy question to answer. <laughs> that one's already been answered. It's been done answered, and we know it. Um, Sinker's Beverages also has an answer to all your holiday needs. Make sure you check out Sinker's Beverages on Uber Eats. You can search Sinker's Beverages. They'll deliver the booze directly to your house during this holiday vacation, Zach. They drive so you can drink. And, and, and listen, keep in mind, Grocery stores may be open on Thanksgiving, but grocery stores cannot sell booze. So you have to go today on Wednesday. Sound of my voice. If you want liquor tomorrow and stock up on liquor to put up with your family on Thanksgiving Thursday, go to Bluegrass Beverages if you're up north in Hendersonville, Gallatin, or Goodlettsville, and those kinds of areas, or go to Seekers Beverages and stock up now. You have yes. to as soon as the show's over, go stock up if you're watching live. This is not a joke. Do you know where I'm going as soon as the show's over? <laughs> <laughs> I, am I am driving my happy ass up to Sinker's Beverages because I got a lot of wine for like two different family dinners I got to buy. We need some champagne for the morning for the ladies and maybe myself included. I do enjoy a nice mimosa. Uh, we're going to have to get some vodka for some. I got, I, I'm responsible for the Bloody Mary bar. Oh, such a huge burden. There you I'm, go. <laughs> I'm responsible for the Bloody Mary bar, so I'm going to need some vodka and of course uh my father needs a nice little nice little present a little brown water after mom works really hard to make all the dinner and dad and i clean up uh at my folks house on friday we're gonna have some bourbon so there's some really great bourbon selections at sinkers if you're in the bluegrass area which of course as you mentioned is north nashville up there in hendersonville madison gallatin whatever slide on over goodlettsville slide on over to bluegrass beverages and of course kingston group buildkg.com just check out their instagram feed I think it's at Kingston Group. Like, just check out the stuff that they do. <laughs> just go look at it. It's better. It's like real estate renovation porn. It is better than anything. And I'm not sure they want me saying that, but whatever. It, it's better than anything you're going to see on, like, any of these home reno shows. Like, it's it's so, so good. Uh, buildkg.com is a website. Go check out uh, the Kingston Group. So, Sinker's Beverages, the Kingston Group, stackingtheinbox.com, all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network. Have a long conversation with Joe Rexroad of The Athletic talking about the evolution of Mike Vrabel and how he's handling all this pressure. 
uh, and what it's like to be in press conferences with him. So if you want to go listen to that interview, make sure you go check out Lamestream Sports. We've got the, the Predators are, had one of the greatest wins that I, that I can remember uh, on Monday evening. We, we've got a Predator show out for you as well already early this week. So uh, SEC Football Live was already up on Tuesday. So we got all kinds of great stuff for you uh, across the network as well as on Broadway Sports Media as well. Uh, okay. And, and yes, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. And Joey's already said this. And I think this is important to note uh, as we go through today's show. We will talk talk about the Panthers and we will talk about the SEC, but we are about answer, finding, asking, and answering questions for the Tennessee Titans roster long-term. And Joey says it right. Even negative answers are productive. At least you'll know who not to try to rely on going into spending season. This is exactly right. This is the exact exercise. You got to find out one way or the other what you've got. And there's plenty of guys, I think, that have answers, plenty of positions that have answers, and there's still a lot of questions that need to be asked and hopefully answered this season. Let me give you an example, Zach. Let's give everybody an example of how this works. We're going to go position by position group, offense, then the defense. Let's start, for example, quarterback. Answer, Will Levis is going to be the starting quarterback in week one of next season. Barring anything crazy or unforeseen, we've answered that question. That's an answer. Ryan Tannehill will not be on this roster next season. That is an answer. Feel good about those two answers so far? Yeah, so far so good. Okay. I think the one question that you would want to find an answer to, and I think you actually can do it throughout the course of the rest of the season at the quarterback position, is is Malik Willis your backup next year? I think I have a feeling that the answer is no. <laughs> but I, I think that... Or, because they got a lot of money in free agency and there's going to be some veterans available and maybe having a veteran backup is a better fit than Malik Willis. But he's on your roster. You drafted him. You've invested time in him. A perfect question and the only question in my mind that needs to be asked about the quarterback position is, do you know if Malik Willis is your backup quarterback next year or not? And that's kind of the only thing. That's sort of how we're going to do this. Is that? I hope that makes sense to everybody. Yeah, and and to answer that question, I think that he will be given the opportunity to be quarterback too, but there's no reason for those people that think that maybe Malik Willis has it locked up, that it's 100% sure that he is quarterback too. I think that is the wrong way to look at it. I think it's going they're definitely going to bring in a third quarterback for competition and the, that guy will probably win, <laughs> beat out Malik Willis unless he shows massive improvements because You've seen it with the Cincinnati Bengals. You've seen it with teams all across the league that have a quarterback go down. That your backup, if he can't come in and finish out a game and get you a win, he's not he's not worth being your backup. You have to have a backup that can come in at the very minimum, at the very minimum, come in and basically say, hey, all you got to do is keep us afloat or go out here and win a game. If he cannot do that, that then he's not worth keeping around as quarterback too. Jake Browning proved that. Now the Bengals are kind of stuck. Yep. You look at what the Jets have gone through. You know, the Josh Dobbs has been great as a backup. You wish that the Tennessee Titans probably would have worked something out with Josh Dobbs to keep him here. But here's the thing. Then you maybe you don't draft Will Levis. And I think at that point, Will Levis is better than Josh yes. Dobbs as far as the future of your franchise is concerned. Um, Will Levis to me is the answer. I I don't think that there is a true and Kenneth puts it right here. I disagree with Braden only if the Titans end up with the number one or number two pick. Then I think the quarterback question returns. 
I don't even think the quarterback question returns then because I think they trade out of it. This team is not currently now not a quarterback away from contending. It is a whole slew of players that we're going to be talking about later in different position groups, and yeah, they would yeah. need draft capital. They're being, they'd be silly, absolute, absolutely silly to, with a guy that they know what they have, to take a risk on something else while you still have tons and tons of questions all, all up and down the roster, in my opinion, because Caleb Williams and Drake May are not guaranteed to be those guys that can overcome the deficiencies of this roster. Uh, and I kind of agree with that too. I think, especially if, if Levis continues to play, let's just say hypothetically the exact way he's played through four games. I, I think he has shown you every, he has answered the question. Does he belong as a starting quarterback in the NFL? The, the questions about Will Levis that would remain is, is how good can he be? That, that one, that one only time will tell. But the question is, does he deserve the starting spot? Does he belong as the 33rd overall pick? Does the scouting report match what you see? And so far, Every one of those answers is yes, and I think that's a huge positive. I, I will disagree. To I will say if they have number one and they can move out, I think that's obviously better because then you can maybe get go down to three and get Harrison and a tackle, right? Like that's kind of the the, the perfect scenario. I will say this. I do not think Caleb Williams is the number one pick. I think Drake May is the number one pick, and if it's Drake May that's on the board, I think Drake May could be better than Will Levis. I do not think Caleb, Caleb Williams is guaranteed to be better than anybody. I, I think I, I just don't think that this uh, we've seen enough from quarterbacks that there is no such thing as a guarantee anymore. Yeah. And there's no such thing as a guarantee when your roster is piss poor. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. you it, yeah. it and maybe like they fix everything in free agency and we're we're singing a different tune and they spent all hundred million dollars and all this stuff. I mean, that that's not that's fantasy land, unrealistic, improbable. Here's my question to you. I need to see Tim Kelly scheme up stuff for Will Levis better than what he has these last three weeks. So I need to see, can Will Levis and this scheme and Tim Kelly sync up? Because right now, I have more questions than answers about Tim Kelly, whereas at the beginning of the year, I did not. Like I was like, oh, Tim Kelly is very, very low on the list of blame. So my question to you is, don't I... Do you think that's an important topic to monitor, especially because oh, yeah. likely Tim Kelly will be retained, right? So you're seeing what well, the system you're seeing now will likely be the system you see next year. So don't you need to see progression and see Tim Kelly be able to scheme some stuff up to not only help Will Levis, help the offensive line, help the wide receivers, but also to develop Will Levis's in-game abilities. So I, I've got one, and I was going to kind of wait till the end on the roster to sort of ask the coaching question, because I think that I have one broad question, which is I think, and, and S. Rob asked this question earlier about, he kind of points out the fact that Teron Davenport, who of course asked the question of Mike Vrabel at the press conference about losing control of the locker room um, as the most plugged in reporter with the locker room. I, I think he is the most plugged in reporter with the locker room, but I think there's a lot of other guys that are plugged in with the same amount of, of input with those players. I think that's a great question. I'm going to hold off on answering that until a little bit later in the show when we transition to the Panthers game. Um, but I think the number one question for the coaching staff, and I'm not sure, I think Vrabel might be the only one I would exclude from this. I think that question you're asking is kind of the same question I would have for everybody. Um, that one's specific to Will Levis, but I think Chris Harris hasn't exactly proven that he's the elite commodity that he was. I think he needs to show growth there. You know, Haas at offensive line clearly hasn't <laughs> developed a lot of players at that position. 
his job now is to get Jalen Duncan ready to go, for example. So I think you can ask Shane Bowen has got to fix some things that we've talked about. Like, I think kind of every coach has a, you need to show us that you've gotten better and made progress throughout the coach of the course of the year to prove that you belong on the staff next year. Craig Ackerman may have already answered the questions that he doesn't belong. Like, I don't yeah, know. I mean, he answered so. the question three years ago where he should not be on the staff. Yeah. He should never been hired, but that's so is, is that, I don't mean to cop out from your question, but I, I think that that is sort of my question for the whole staff is yeah. Gotcha. Whatever job you're supposed to be doing, you need to show progress so that you can answer at the end of the year, you belong in that position next year. Because they've all, almost all of them changed last last season. So they need to prove that they earned that spot, in my opinion. That's that's kind of how I would look at that. Uh, all right, running back. What do, what do we think here at running back? What's the answer? Well, I think I think Tajay Spears is is clearly the future of the running back room for this Tennessee Titans team. And I think unless you get Derrick Henry at 4.7, because right now he's got dead money at $4.7 million. So he's owed that at least, even if he signs a new contract or whatever, that $4.7 million has to be accounted for somewhere in the new contract. So to me, the question becomes in between six and 4.7 mil for next year, where are we at there? Like, that's my questions. Like how much is Derrick Henry willing to take? How little is Derrick Henry willing to take to stay a Tennessee Titan? And to me, it doesn't fucking matter what he decides. If he decides, yes, I'll be here. Good for him. If he says, no, I'm going to go out and test the market. Good luck. There are 46 free agent running backs available. Let me just run <laughs> through the top 24, which is more than half. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Corderell Patterson, Gus Edwards, Ezekiel Elliott, Devin Singletary, Clyde Edward Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, Deontay Foreman, Boston Scott, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Matt Breida, Kareem Hunt, A.J. Dillon, Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon, Antonio Gibson, Zach Moss, Greg Reynolds, Rigo Daddle, Josh Kelly. Like, that's just some of Yikes. the names hitting free agency. And to me... Half those guys are better than Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, my answer is, let Derrick... You, you play... You, I, I hate to say this about a uh, someone as good as Derrick Henry, who's clearly has bought into the the locker room, has bought into Mike Vrabel, who has given his all for this team. However, you don't have to pay him, and nope. just because that fans may get mad, you shouldn't overspend. He's not going to command that much money on the open market, and really, Tajay Spears needs more touches. He does more with them. And if you have Tajay Spears and one of those guys that I listed that not even like the top four, first four names, you're fine. Like you, you, you make up for what Derrick Henry does by getting Tajay Spears more involved. Do, do, do you know who'd be a younger, cheaper, but very similar version to Derrick Henry? AJ Dillon paired with, with, with Tajay Spears as a backup would be very similar. Which I so don't here, think that I think AJ Dillon's probably going to be staying in Green Bay, probably. but I agree. Here's, here's how I would, would approach the running back situation. Cause I think Derrick Henry's to your point. I think Derrick Henry's an off season thing. I don't think you learn anything more about Derrick Henry. You don't have any questions about Derrick Henry that you can you answer learn, on, on the field. You no, know, you learn to see if he can get back to form. Cause right okay. now uh, he's not. And because even th- today, Tim Kelly said he has enough of a running. They're making enough room for him to, to be productive. It's not perfect holes or anything, but they, he said, he was asked, are you making enough space for Derrick Henry to be able to run through or make enough holes? You know, whatever, I think Sam Phelan asked. And he said, mm-hmm, yep. And enough. 
And it's true. When you go back and watch the tape and Tic Tac Titans has a few clips pulled and, and video pulled, he's missing holes and he's been doing that all year. So can he get back to form? Then maybe there's a discussion that maybe that six million can become eight million or something like that. I I, I think I guess finding out whatever he's still got left in the tank, that's that's perfectly legitimate. I, I'm okay with that. I think the more important question about the backfield, because I think we all agree that Tajay Spears is the future. I, I think the, the most important question in the backfield is can Tajay Spears be a feature back? And I think we all think there's potential there. We all kind of agree with what he is, but he's just never done it before. And the only way you do that is to give him more carries, almost a starter-ish type of situation. And what that does is it it's to the detriment of answering questions about Derrick Henry to some degree. But I think answering the questions about Tajay Spears being a feature back is probably a little bit more important in the grand scheme of the roster. Tajay Spears being a feature back is not high up on my list of, of questions that I need to have answered. It's it's one on there, but I feel comfortable about knowing a little bit of the answer, if that makes sense. I, I'm pretty 75% certain that first off, you don't, this team, here, here's what I'll say. And this kind of ties into my tight end thing a little bit later, too. This team's not looking for a feature back anymore. Good. <laughs> I think you're they're moving to running back by committee. So I don't Good. think it really matters Good. whether Tajay Spears could be a feature back or not. That's not what they're looking for anymore. I okay. think that's getting phased out by this offense, getting phased out by the team. The fact that Derrick Henry's off the field in now for the first time is now off the field in situations where they're A, either behind, B, two-minute drills, or C, on third downs. That tells you a lot about how they feel about Derrick Henry's abilities but also how they feel about Tajay Spears' trust and how they're going to use the yeah. running back position going forward. So that that's fair. I should I should amend my statement then, and that is like, can Spears be the lead, like the the one of the two backs that you're going to use? And is and to your point, yeah. is Derrick Henry still one of the two backs you want to use or not? I, I think of the questions I have about this offense, can Titan can Tajay Spears be a lead back or is guaranteed to be one of the two that you want to use? Because I agree with getting rid of the feature back mindset. I, I it's just not high on the list of offensive questions. It's it's one of those where, and this also is a part of this conversation. There are certain questions on this team, and we're going to get to this in my opinion with like Aaron Brewer and Aziz Al Shair, for example. Those are two names that I have questions about, but I'm not sure they can afford to answer those two questions this off season. <laughs> if that, if that makes sense. So we'll, we'll get to that uh, tight end real fast. Uh, that you tell me what you think about tight end and I'll give you mine. So I think they've answered the question that the Jeff Swain role is no longer a mandatory thing. And we've, we've talked about that. Why tight end blocking through 10 games last year, Jeff Swain played 383 snaps. West goes at 279 and he's barely even noticeable. They're, they're working in Josh Wiley. I'm sure by the end of the year, Wesco, who was brought in to replace Jeff Swain, in all of our opinions, what, will mean that I think that you're, is going to be way less than the snaps that Jeff Swain ended up playing for the Tennessee Titans last year, which is a good thing because that means that I, I, I think the biggest question for me is, is kind of twofold. Can Chig provide value? Not can Chig bounce back to what we saw last year. At this point, he does not provide value when the ball's going towards him. Very, very, uh, very little. His EPA when targeted is, is in the negatives. His success rate is obviously in the negatives. Or not, it's low, not in the negatives. But So can he provide value while 
Wiley progresses? Can Wiley turn into this sneaky athletic tight end that kind of gets creeps in behind linebackers and finds the hole in the zone and sits in and provide a safety valve? Like he likes that scene, baby. He like he likes that scene. Those are the questions because, like, do you can you find a way to keep both Wiley and Chig and not really have to worry about tight end because both are providing you different things and different forms of value right now. I would say going into next season, you would still need a tight end somewhere. Yep. But if Chick could start providing value and bounce back, there's a problem. There's a there's a hole solved or a position group solved, in my opinion. I, that's kind of how I, I I wrote down like blocking tight end gone question mark is what I wrote down, and but my first two are looking at the group as a package of a trio, and I want to know for sure by the end of the year is Chig and is Josh Wiley are they two of the three. That is like ultimately, I think we have a, again, a lot of these questions we have a feeling about what we think Josh Wiley could develop into that. Or we've seen it from Chig, but it's been a disappointment this year. We have a lot of like, we have pseudo like partial answers. The, 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 the whole point of this exercise is that by the end of the year, you know, for sure, if Chig Conco is a part of your tight end group next year, and you know, for sure, if Josh Wiley is your number one, or if he's your number two next year. So do you need to go and Chig's your three and then you need to go get a one or is Josh Wiley your one and Chig's your two and you need to go get a three? To me, it's about the group and and knowing exactly what those two players are by the end of the season. Because I agree, you cannot be using a tight end position any longer on uh, Craig Stevens, you know, because yeah. like, like that just yeah. isn't. There is. I, I just don't think that that guy is necessary if, in today's NFL anyway, anymore. But uh, it looks like to me that they are trying their best to phase it out. And if the tackles would be any kind of like, I feel like if the tackles were good, even if just one of the tackles were good, West Coast snaps would be even lower. Yeah. Yeah. So with, with the running back position, finding out about Spears is maybe a little bit more carries, right? A little bit more carries for Spears with the tight end. Same thing. What's the answer? How do you solve some of these questions? Josh Wiley and Chig need to be used. You, you have, this is an experiment the next nine weeks or whatever. Like this is an experiment. It means find out the answer about Chig. It could be the answer could be negative, but having the answer is more valuable than not. And that's the whole point of the exercise, which means throw him the football, use him more often, find out if Josh Wiley can block, like find out these things over the course of the next few weeks. And if you find out that the answer is no, at least you found out some fucking answers. (laughs) That's the whole point. Uh, Okay. All right. So now we get to the two really fun ones. which is wide receiver and offensive line. So wh- I'll let you go first on wide receiver. Okay, the answer I got is I know that the Tennessee Titans either in the first round or second round have to draft a wide receiver. They just have to. That's the that's the answer. I mean, like, I know that that is the answer. The question I has, or have is, is D-Hop going to stay? Because right now there's only three guys that I could see on this roster outside of D-Hop that are for sure probably going to be on this team if the team wants them back. And that's obviously Kyle Phillips will still be on the team, NWI, and Chris Moore, right? You know those guys, if they if the Tennessee Titans want them back, they'll be back, at least the last two because they're on one-year deals. So will D-Hop stay? And if D-Hop stays, are they going to continue to undervalue the wide receiver position or are they going to draft a yeah. wide receiver? So we, we need to know, and you're not going to get that again, I know that these are supposed to be answers or questions that you have, but like we need to have some kind of feeling of whether D hop is checked out or if D hop is still going to be bought in. 
Like, is Will Levis going to continue to feed or are they going to continue to work D-hop? And that will kind of let you know, because he's under contract, right? That'll kind of let you know how they feel about DeAndre Hopkins heading into 2024. Like his usage, his yep. demeanor, his attitude. That's what we need to know. So one of the things I wrote down as an answer for this group is that DeAndre Hopkins still has it. Like that that was a question that I think was fair to ask in the summertime. I think the answer is very clear that yeah, the answer is yes. He's still he's still got it. So if you want him next year and he still wants to be here, I think you've got an you've got one answer at the position. This one is hard to answer, and I don't know if you can figure this out, but you can certainly take some steps, in particular with one of these players, and that is, can either Traylon Burks or Kyle Phillips stay healthy? Like that—that That is a massive question for this receiving core, because if they are, in fact, fully healthy, adding a receiver in the first or second round to a group with DeAndre Hopkins, all of a sudden, this could become an interesting room. But you've got to figure out, at some, and I know Burks is dealing with the head injuries, and it's really hard to to sort of quantify those and predict also, those he's not good <laughs> any any there that there's stuff I mean, there if you too. Just want to be kind of blunt about it you know they they phillips is healthy right now they're not using him on punt returns which has been sort of where he's been hurt before like show us that you can stay healthy throughout the rest of the season show him that you can throw in the ball four or five times a game in those third and sixes and that he doesn't break down like i need to see like let's get some answers on if kyle phillips and Traylon burks can stay healthy Knock on wood Man, he's been so good since Will Levis came in. He two two great two really good games last week. wasn't used much at all. Uh, but but then again, everybody sucked last week. So whatever. What are you going to do? Um, I don't think T, D. Good asked about T. Higgins. I, there are a boatload of free agent wide receivers. So if you're going to spend money at free agency, I think it's it's wide receiver, not offensive line. Uh, and I think T. Higgins is not going to hit the market. I think T. Higgins is re-signed by the Bengals. The name to go after, in my opinion, is Calvin Ridley. That's the name I'm going after. Oh, he'll be re-signed by the Jaguars. You're probably right, but that's the name I would want. If I, I think, I think it's he, better that I think Calvin Ridley is gonna has a better chance staying at Jacksonville than T. Higgins does in Cincinnati. Oh, huh, interesting. Okay, I think Higgins is too similar to to Burks and Hopkins, and it doesn't mean you can't have three guys that are similar. Like that's well, that's he's a good player. I'll say this. I mean, we don't know if T. Hop's going to be here, right? And then also. Um, Burks isn't good. <laughs> no, they need the guys. They need all the guys. I, there's no argument there. I think Calvin Ridley's skill set is a more valuable commodity than Higgins. I just think he's better, frankly, than, than T. Higgins. But they're both they both massive improvements and upgrades. So there's no no argument there. To me, it's are those guys going to stay healthy? And then I think it's absolutely like I think you figure out maybe one of the the three guys. Like which one do you want to keep as like your insurance? Your blanket or whatever your security blanket is it more is it nwi like which one do you and then listen colt dowell got got like seven snaps last week on offense like is that a player you need to learn about maybe i, I don't know no i'm good i've learned enough <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean like he's just then you're just maybe he's just like a better nwi and he'll develop in year three or something like that but i mean at this point you 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 have to find a wide receiver there is yeah. Unless you go out and sign T. Higgins, Brendan Ayuk, and Calvin Ridley, you need fucking wide receivers. This this going into like that's the answer I have is like you need three wide receivers, and right now you have one for sure, and that's Kyle Phillips. But then you you have the injury aspect of it too. But when he is healthy, he is a wide receiver. De DeAndre Hopkins may not be here. He may not want to be here, and he that may be even a bigger issue. But 
like to me, you need two or three wide receivers, but you need one that isn't going to cost you an arm and a leg that you can develop like A.J. Brown and not trade him like you did A.J. Brown. You need a guy in free agency really, really bad. And and draft. I think you need both. And that's my, like, that. I know that. You yeah, have I, that. I, I, I agree. And I, I think it's, uh, to me, it's, it's Hopkins has answered one question, which is that he's still got it. So you've got to find out if he still wants to be here. Uh, I assume that they want him here. In which case, the next step is, are, who, what can you get out of Phillips and Burks, and and how do you package that with a young player you get in the draft? So I, I'm but, out on Burks. I'm not even factoring Burks into any plans. He unless he comes mm. back and is going insane down the stretch, he does not factor into anything I'm planning if I'm the Tennessee Titans in 2024. I think you have Me to sure. bake. I think you have to try to. Okay, maybe this is the better way to put it. Then I think if if I'm if I'm helping on that offensive staff, I want to know, do, do I have three of my four in, in Burks, Phillips and Hopkins it, as a broad sort of general question. And then I know that I can go out and get somebody either with like the fifth pick or the eighth pick, or maybe the fifth pick of the second round or the eighth pick of the second round, whatever that might be. Or if you trade back and you have a really high pick and you trade back and you add a second round pick, is that where you go get one? I, I think you need to know probably what your top four looks like with a placeholder for, a, 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 a young one and maybe even a placeholder for a free agent. Uh, I think that's the, pl- I think the plan is, you know, you can go draft one, you know, you can go sign one in free agency because you have the money. You need to learn where the other pieces slot into the depth chart. And to me, that's about health for Burks and Phillips and about desire for Wait, Trendon, You may not even get that answer on Burks if he doesn't. I know there, there's rumors afloat out there by, you know, by, you know, radio hosts on other and other cities that have ties to Houston and the Strunk's family. But there, there, there are rumors afloat that Burks may be going to IR may, may be done for the year. Uh, you know, if that happens, mm. yikes. Yeah. Not, not a good second season, uh, following up a questionable first season. So thanks, yeah. John Robinson. Um, <clears throat> okay. Offensive line. Here's uh, here's here's one here's an answer yeah. that I think is a for now. I have I have two answers for this one as well. So we'll okay. see what you're saying. My my answer for now is Aaron Brewer at center and Daniel Brunskill at right guard for now. If you need to go to 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 start the season next year, I think that if you address the other positions, those two those that's an answer. The the center and the right guard is potentially an answer for now. You could do a lot worse. You could do better, but it but it's not it's not a priority. The only true answer is Peter Skronsky at left guard. Like that's the only true answer. And otherwise, my question: can, Does anyone else on this roster is anyone else on this roster capable of being a starting offensive lineman? Anybody else? Is there any other human being? Okay, so I kind of have that same thing. Uh, my first answer is. Um, we know now that Dylan Radins is not a left tackle. <laughs> I think we can safely say it. Here's, here's how he looks at left tackle. 3.1% sack rate at his snaps at left tackle. 16.3% pressure rate. Dennis Daly was 2.4% sack rate. 10.2% pressure rate as a left tackle. So he has been worse than Dennis Yikes. Daly. Yikes. Dillard is 3.7% sack rate. So 3.7 versus 3.1, not that big of a difference. 
And this goes back to his rookie season, by the way. I did all of his his career numbers, and versus Dillard's and Daly's respective years with the with the team, thirteen point three percent pressure rate by Dillard versus sixteen point three by Reigns. I I think we know that Dylan Reigns is not a left tackle. Does not mean he can't be a right tackle, and that'll be in my question. My other answer is that the only two guys that on this team that that should have their jobs safe and should be back next year for sure is Peter Skaronsky and Daniel Brunskill, as far as the starting five are concerned. Okay. Uh, they are for sure should be back, probably will be back, and they deserve to be back, and they are both really good guards. Okay. Aaron Brewer, you can upgrade Aaron Brewer. I said it on Monday. I, d- I don't think that he's an answer at all, unless he goes on again. He, if he, I guess my question would be, can Aaron Brewer change my mind? <laughs> that, okay. that would be a question. That's a good one. Uh, and then can Duncan and Jalen Duncan and Dylan Radins, can Jalen Duncan find a spot on, on the left side or the right side, wherever they may choose to start him? And can um, Dylan Radins be the right guy, like the right tackle? Because there's still NPF hanging out there, but you can't really have faith in NPF. And I don't know how this staff feels about NPF either. Either You also can't answer any questions about it. Yeah, you're not going to find anything out about NPF. But here's the thing you can find out about Jalen Duncan. Go to stackinginbox.com. When Jalen Duncan got... um, Drafted. I wrote a big piece about all the guys that got drafted, obviously, because that's what people do when they write for a team. <laughs> but Daniel Jeremiah, when he was drafted, not when he when Jalen Duncan got drafted in the fifth round, sixth round, Daniel Jeremiah went on the air and said this about his 92nd overall player on his top 100 that fell all the way to the sixth round. He's ultra, ultra athletic. He has the desired length. He has spent all season training with Duke Manny Weather in the uh, the O-line masterminds, right? That's a huge thing for rookies to go through and everything. And Duke said, wouldn't be surprised if we look down years in the future if he doesn't end up being the best offensive lineman in this class. Now, obviously, improvements need to be made, but it sounds like he's going in the right direction. And if they continue to develop Jalen Duncan, he continues to show out. And maybe he's not the left tackle. You you can't pin, put him in pin or marker at the left tackle position for 2024, but maybe he can go to the right side. He looked pretty good at the right side, being baptism by fire, as uh, Tim Kelly put it today in the press conference. Maybe he could be your answer at right tackle. And then there you go. You have an answer, right? I, All yeah. Of an answer. What? Really, I don't even really give a shit what Dylan Radins can do. I really care more about what can Jalen Duncan show that everybody else that is smarter than me seems to think he has the capability of. Yeah, basically my question that they have to answer is, like, you need to know who is capable of being a starter on the roster currently. And I think we have a lot of answers about Dillard, for example. We have an answer that Dillard, Andre Dillard, is not a starting offensive lineman. That's it. Um, we can't answer anything about MPF. I think Chris Hubbard is is answered that he is Chris Hubbard. <laughs> I think that's what he is. And so I think and the two names that I have written down and circled are Jalen Duncan and Dylan Radens. And maybe the future for next year includes Daniel Brunskill, but maybe the year after you want Radens as your right guard and Duncan as your right tackle. I, you, you've got to find out if who is a starting caliber fucking offensive lineman for this team. 
You can't keep going to camp every single year with a bunch of names you have no fucking clue about. Like you can't, you've got to know at least what you have in these two guys specifically. I'm with you on Brewer. I think you can upgrade Brewer. I just don't know. Like as far as the priorities go, the tackles are so much more of a priority for me that it's sort of like, well, if you can solve the tackle, well, then you can get to center. It's sort of like running back. Like if you can solve the receiver problem, then you can get to the running back problem. You could solve your center problem in free agency. You could solve your tackle problem in the draft. So you're going to, it's going to look weird. Here's the thing. It's going to look weird when they probably likely sign a center in free agency, right? Like they're probably going to sign a center in free agency. If they don't, they're, they're insane. Barring some insane run, like I've already said, but if they sign that everybody, then they don't do anything. A left tackle. Everybody's going to, you know, throw their hands up and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they didn't spend money on a left tackle and forget that there are no left tackles to get in free agency. Yeah, they're not any good. They're not <laughs> so any good. it's all about the draft. So the priority is yes, you have to fix your left tackle, but your prob the steps are going to be out of order, right? It's not going to be your that's your the right way to put it. That's right solving the offensive line are not going to be in lockstep with the order of priority. So, uh, so that's a, that's a really good way of putting it because your left tackle is probably going to come in the first or second round of the draft. Let's just say hypothetically, yeah. you're if you're going to upgrade center, it's probably going to come in free agency, and before that. Right now, you need to know what you have in Jalen Duncan and Dylan Raidens. Mm. Give them as many reps as possible. And if that means rotating them at tackle, fine. If that means spelling Brunskill when you need to, fine. Like, find out what you have with those two players in particular. Those are the two questions that you have to have answered by the end of the season so that when you go to the draft and when you go to free agency, you know what you need to invest in. You've got to find out what those two guys are. Full. I think, I think Brewer kind of like, honestly, I think Brewer kind of is what he is. He's like a... C plus B minus center. And there's probably a lot of guys you could get that are B pluses for a fairly small investment. He, and he's a, um, you'll find out, you know, he, he's, he's a utility player and there's nothing wrong with being a utility player. He's really good in specific plays. He's very good. If you're going to pull the center, if you're going to screen passes, if you need him out in space, he's very, very good. If you're trying to pass pro against Aaron Donald, you're fucked. You're fucked. Yeah, just what it is. Uh, okay, all right. There's your offensive questions. Uh, go to Sinker's Beverages, the Kingston Group as well, of course. We'll touch on the Panthers game, the SEC game, but let's roll through the defense here. Um, defensive line. We're going to separate uh, a pass rush and the interior defensive line. So questions and answers. What do you got? Uh, they're too thin. That That's what we learned this year is that they're too thin, and they were very deep last year, and they were too thin this year, and that is hurting the team and is hurting the run defense specifically. So they are too thin. That is that is the answer that we have. That is the answer to the question: What's wrong with this defense of this front four? They are too damn thin. I can't and argue. My with question that. would be: My question would be is like, how do you fix it? <laughs> I guess. I mean, like that. I don't. I don't know if there's a question that's going to be answered because I don't think that Tart has shown that he's consistent enough that he's going to get paid the big bucks like everybody says he was going to all damn year. Um, I don't think that there is a question that I have that I feel confident that could be answered on the field by 2024. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's one that you can answer about Simmons. I think there's one that's a, I think there's a question about Autry, but you can't answer it, which is when is the shelf life coming? Like when's the cliff? I mean, I think we're seeing it in effect. I mean, I I think there's a chance. What's the shelf life of Danico Autry? I think the question is, is is TR Tart in every game, every downs like starter like that. That is like the the flat. know that he's not. The flashes that we've seen from him that like, can you consistently create that 
like game in and game out. And I know he's had some injuries, but like, is Tar like Ed says this? Simmons needs a buddy in the middle. The, my question is: is is Tr Tart that buddy? Uh, long longer term, maybe like a two year deal, three year deal. He's got to prove it. I mean, I think the- he could, but I don't think he's going to get paid like everybody initially. I agree. So like that's I, not really a question that I had. I never thought that, so I never really had that question. I guess so that gets so that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, I just don't have questions. Well, if you tie it to money, I agree with you. If you tie it to sort of like who should be like the Robin to Jeffrey Simmons, Batman, I think going into the season, I thought TR Tart has a really good chance to be the number two next to Simmons. Like he's going to benefit from playing next to Simmons. He's got the skills you need to play next to Simmons. And I think that that's a nice piece there. I think I have gone from, I think he is the answer to can he be the answer? Next to Simmons. I think I think Autry is the Jenga piece that has really hampered this team. And he's and not for lack of trying or effort or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just think that Autry has obviously taken a step back and that's hurt the team overall. Yep. Yeah, I no, I agree. And there was we knew that was gonna come at some point. Like you just can't play that position for that long at that level forever. It's just not possible. So my question is just you gotta find out if TR Tart is an answer because you need depth. I agree with you. The biggest question is they need depth. They need more than TK McClendon. Like I don't, that's not a question or an answer. <laughs> that's just, that's just a guy. So I think it's about, to me, it's about find out what, finding out what Tart is uh, the rest of the way outside linebacker. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I know that they still need the guy. They need the guy. They need to find the TJ Watt, the yeah. Brian Burns, the Montez Sweat, whatever guy you want to you know chase young joey bosa miles garrett they need to find the guy because i know that arden key is not the guy i know that harold landry is not the guy but my question is can harold landry continue to be and get better and because he has been but can he continue that trajectory so he so the titans get something out of him that they have yet to get out of him since he signed his contract yeah, I, my that's my my question is what what do you do with Harold Landry? <laughs> like that's sort of my question because I there's there's maybe some trade value there. He's the contract's been touched up a bit. Like I I think you know exactly what Arden Key is. I think you know exactly what Rashad Weaver is. I think those are questions you've gotten answered already. Uh, Gibson could be a guy that you could give some reps to. You've said this before. Like find out what you've got with him. I think that's a, a an easy question that you should be able to answer over the course of the next couple of months is let, let's see what Gibson's got and let's see what kind of player he can be. And where does he fit into the depth chart next year? But I'm, I'm with you. I, I, and you said this, I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago on F words where you're just like, like they, they, they need the dude that, that the, the absolute top of the game wrecker on the outside. They thought that was, you know, Bud Dupree, they thought that's who that was, right? Like they, they, they need that guy. The, the Simmons on the edge is what they need. And you only got to get that guy from drafting and developing is kind of the only way you can get that yep. guy. So uh, that that's another option at, at in the first round. This is, they could use a first round corner. They could use a first round tackle. They could use a first round edge rusher. They could use a first round receiver. Eh, it's not a good place to be. <laughs> no, um, that's the OLB. Uh, here's the, here. I think inside linebacker is the easiest one. I think Aziz Alshair is, to me, for now, an answer to one of the two positions. For now. Yes. I I think this is the easiest one of the entire roster. The answer, I don't think there is another question. Because the answer is you have nothing else. 
Yeah. That, that is that's my answer for inside linebacker. Yeah, I think as Aziz Al Shayer, I've been talking to, with Stoney about it because we, yeah, I pulled the stats and I'm going to save it for stacking the inbox, but I pulled 2022 David Long and I pulled 2023 Aziz Al Shayer, and they're almost the same identical thing. You know, some things David Long did better, some things Aziz Al Shayer did better, but at, he's doing a Christian Fulton piece for Friday at stackinginbox.com. Stoney is. And he was talking about how when he is watching Fulton, the, looking at film for Fulton, he sees Aziz Alshair everywhere in coverage. He's everywhere. And then I think that you had, like you said, you have a guy that can be here next year in Aziz Alshair, a guy that I think clearly is a, a form of leadership that you could use. He has high energy, he's well likable, he's smart. I think that can't. How much will he improve over these next few weeks as he gets more comfortable in a in a system that I think that we both think is a little overcomplicated? Uh, Stoney said that he noticed DBs and LBs running to the same zone, mistiming their switch offs, and yep. being in bad position because of it. Kind of hard to tell, you know. Really, is it the player's talent? Is the player's doing something wrong? Is it scheme? But either or, it sounds like you really have to get. I think as he's getting more comfortable, he's getting better. And no one wants to talk about how good Aziz Alshayer. They just want to see the highlights from David Long at Miami Dolphins. Well, he's not David Long. Well, you should be comparing him to David Long in the same scheme, supposedly, in the same scheme from last year. And they're almost identical. I mean, there's, like I said, it's very near identical uh, when you look at it. Joey says Aziz will be a great second inside linebacker, and I think that that's exactly what he would be, is a really high-end ILB2. You need yeah. you need someone that – you need a linebacker one, right? You need yep. A, yep. a Fred Warner. You don't really need Fred Warner. But here's my thing is like – Those guys are easy to find in the NFL. Right. That's what I'm saying. There's a difference between – if. To me, running backs and line running backs and linebackers are kind of the same thing. Except everybody says, "Well, it's you. You could any running back can do anything." Well, there's a big difference between uh, an average running back like Devin Singletary and Eno Benjamin, right? Like a really bad running back. So there's a difference between a middle of the road linebacker and Doctor Gibby and Luke Gifford and Dylan Cole and Monty Rice, like. None of those guys are guys in the NFL that you can rely on consistently week to week. So if you paired a guy like that, like let's say like you could go back in time and pull Wesley Woodyard and put him right next to Aziz Alshair. Like that is one of the best linebacking duos we well, just have in the NFL because it allows Aziz Alshair to kind of roam free and use his athleticism, which is way more athletic than David Long. That's, well, that's, that's science, but like, that's what they need, but they don't have it, so it doesn't really matter. Well, Fred Fred Warner, where was he drafted? Was he like a fourth round pick, fifth round pick? Oh man, I think something. Around, I know Drake Greenlaw was a fifth round pick. Okay, where was Devondre Campbell drafted? How'd the Packers get him? Where where was Levante David or Devin White drafted? I think Devin White might have been higher, maybe a second round pick. But like, you get my round three like, for Fred Warner. Yeah, I mean, like you can find a stud, a a eight year absolute stud dog of a middle linebacker in the third and fourth round in the fifth round in the NFL. It happens all the time. I think that's why they're comparable to running backs. It's not, I agree with your point. Like there's a big difference between an average middle linebacker and a bad one. 
but but this the thing that is the same is that you can get the really good ones in the middle of the draft. You don't you don't have to invest a, a lot of resources and you can in a find really them in free agency too. Yeah. Like I feel yeah. like Christian Kirksey could have helped this team way more than any of these other linebackers opposite of Aziz Alshair. I, I tend to agree with you. Um okay. Corner and safety. What do you got? What's your questions? Well, my question is is for cornerback. Oh, here's my answer. My answer is they still need the guy. <laughs> just like Edge. So just take everything yeah, we said yeah. about Edge needing the guy. It is cornerback. But I also have answers that McCreary is a near elite nickel slot guy. Okay. I think he's like he was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL when he was in the nickel in the entire NFL, including outside guys. SMB is a really, really great number two. Like, I think SMB is a really great number two. I think you need to bring back SMB and Roger McCreary. I mean, obviously, McCreary's going to stay. But I think you need to bring back SMB over Christian Fulton. I think we got the answer on Christian Fulton. So, but they still need the guy. So you, I, My answer on, is... Okay, I was going to say, is your answer Christian Fulton is not on this team next year? They're not going to resign yeah, him? Yeah, well, for sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's, well, I mean, that guy's twerking all over the field. He needs to go to the strip club and shake his yeah, junk yeah. there and earn more money instead of trying to steal it from the Tennessee Titans. Um, I I think my question is, is and you're not going to get the, the real answer this year because there is no answer at cornerback that you can see. Like, there is nothing there. They, because they, my answer would be, how are you going to find that guy? Or my question would be, how are you going to find that guy? But there is, it's kind of like linebacker. There is no question to ask of any of these guys going forward. I, I think I've got one, and that is the, the younger players that are under contract. And, and I think there are varying degrees of knowledge about three players. One is Roger McCreary. I think at the beginning of the year, we thought, okay, this could be a nice player. By now, I think we've learned what he should be. Right. Like that's an answer we've figured out about the, about Roger McCreary. He should be in the nickel slot. I'd like to have a pretty good feel for what Elijah Molden should be next well, season. I got him in safety, so I haven't even got okay. to safeties. Well, I, I I was saying defensive backs, but I, I hear what you're saying then. We we, I, we texted Farley. about this, and I said Farley? let's split them all up. Farley, is he still is he still around? Is is can you learn anything about him by the end of the yeah, year? Yeah, I've I've already learned it. He does not need to be on this team next year. Okay. I mean, like, I mean, there's like some of this stuff. That, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. There is nothing you can learn about Farley because I don't think Farley's coming back. Trey, Trey Avery. Have we learned that Trey Avery does not belong on the team next year? I think he belongs at as as a distant fifth or sixth cornerback. Okay. So the I mean, answer like, are... is kind of where I'm at. So we do have. So then there's clarity. It's McCreary and yeah, it's and clarity. Murphy it's S and B and McCreary, and you got to get rid of everybody else. That's yeah. that's what I said. I mean, you got yeah. my only question is how you're going to find the guy. Is that free agency or the draft? Because you could do it in free agency this year. It's a good cornerback class. I, I guess the part of the reason I lumped Molden is that he kind of like he's 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 sort of plays all these different positions. And I think the question I have about McCreary and Molden is the same question. And I think you can figure out an answer, which is how should you deploy these two guys? I think they're good enough to be starters and figuring out how they should be deployed and where are they best suited, I think is something you should be figuring out. And it feels like we've got a pretty good answer on McCreary. I, I think those two, two I, I kind of had those guys lumped together as like, Hey, figure out well, what, where they're best suited. Well, I, I, cause we had discussed in our text that we were going to separate these positions. So, and then, so my safety questions and so answers is he officially a full-time like safety. Is that what we're saying? 
I mean, he plays. He's playing the same kind of snap configuration that Kevin Byard's playing over in Philadelphia currently. Because I looked up the numbers, and Elijah Molden is looking to be pretty much better than uh, uh, Kevin Byard has over these last few games. I mean, Kevin Byard got a really easy interception that everybody wants to overblow and ignore. Oh, that is a terrible throw. Touchdowns. Yeah, he gave up two touchdowns. Terrible he's throw. Up, in three games, he's given up 174 yards in the air. <laughs> <laughs> through three games. Elijah Molden through four games has given up 120 yards. Uh, first yards of all, reception. that Just was three. a, uh, that was a terrible throw by Mahomes. He should have hit yeah. him for a touchdown, but I did enjoy seeing Kevin Byer make a nice play. I was like, Oh, okay, nice. Good job. And I'm not trying to root against Kevin Byer. Right, I'm just right. trying to illustrate to everybody that since yeah. the trade, Elijah Molden has been very good. And, and I think your answer for next year, I think this is like the answer already is that you know Elijah Molden and Imani Hooker should be your main two safeties back there. Now, listen, if you want to rotate in like a Kayvon Wallace or something so you can move him around, like, you know, that doesn't really change anything. Your starting safeties are Elijah Molden, Imani Hooker. Okay? Those are your starting safeties. That's the only position outside of, like, (laughs) quarterback that is for sure has two starters filled up. You know what I'm saying? Like I am convinced. So my question is, is similar to what AA uh, for Aziz Al-Shair was, is like, as Elijah Molden continues to get further away from his injuries last year, more comfortable in a new position and more comfortable in the scheme, will he turn and get and keep on improving? Like right now he's improving. Will he keep on improving as the season goes on? So that's my only question. Okay, I, I think that's for fair. Up, I think upside, uh, upside for like, as a general question for a guy for guys like Molden and Aziz Al Shair and Kyle Phillips and Josh Wiley. Like, there's a lot of young players that the question is sort of like, how good can you be? And they all need to get, they all need to continue to progress and get some reps. So, uh, as usual, uh, I, I guess I should say, safety is not the most solidified position on the roster. That is Ryan Stonehouse. Oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe even kicker. I was going to ask you, do, you, do you think we have an answer at kicker for next year? I I don't see any reason why not at this All point. Right. There you go. Uh no reason to mess with Morgan Cox either. So, no. um there, there you go. Uh how about this uh, the staff is you've kind of already alluded to this. I I think there there's so many staff changes that they could make. I imagine that they'll make a couple, but I don't think they'll make many. It would be my guess. Yeah, I, I would say that they're going to be un unenthusiastic or I guess unexciting changes, yeah. and really, and yep. it, the, the most exciting one would be offensive line. That that's I think the best you're going to get out of here. Now, listen, it was the greatest Terrell interview Williams of all time. Def- yeah, Terrell Williams may get a defensive coordinator position somewhere. You know, he's kind of cut put his name out there. Shane Bowen and, and Tim Kelly. You, unless someone steals someone away from you, I don't think anybody's actively trying to leave. The, this thing Charles London could get hired you know there's there are teams that could maybe come in and hire someone uh I think that would be a devastating loss for Will Levis if Charles London left they seem very joined at the hip so I don't know we'll see I, I think the question is and this is this is my question and my question to you it's not a question overall because we you talk about you sent a question you sent the subject as like game planning you know building a win for the Panthers the Panthers suck you just go go out and win. Yeah. If you lose this game, it is the most embarrassing loss of the Vrabel era, era by far, and one of the more embarrassing losses in recent memory, even before Vrabel. You cannot lose. This would be losing to 
fuck, I cannot remember that Colts. You remember when the Colts were going like 0-16 and suck for luck, and the, the, their one win was the Tennessee Titans that oh, year? Right. I forgot uh, all about that. I can't that. remember who that quarterback was. Maybe someone in the, the chat can. Oh, that would have been like what? 2000. That, this would be the most embarrassing loss since then. <clears throat> That's like 2011, that would, right? Yeah. This would be a horribly, I can tell you this. I think Barrett Rude and Colin McCarthy were playing on this team. If that tells you how old that, that <laughs> loss was. This well, would be the most embarrassing loss since then. Ooh, and yeah. wouldn't that have to change how you view this team and how you view this staff? Like, wouldn't this have to change if they lost to the Panthers at home? That has to change how you view the job that Mike Vrabel is doing behind the scenes and the job that Mike Vrabel is doing on the field, right? Barring like Will yeah. Levis and like 13 injuries or something like that. I, no, I think I think you're right. I think losing to this particular team at home where they've been very good, uh, to, especially coached by a guy that you kind of ran out of town in Indianapolis. Like, I think it's it's all very it's a really, really bad look, especially. And again, to answer S. Rob's question about Mike Vrabel losing the locker room, uh, Mike Vrabel at the podium is not the Mike Vrabel who really exists uh, in the world. And so I think it's important to remember that when Mike Vrabel talks about things and gets antsy with reporters. Like that's just how he is in those situations. He's like that when the team is good. Um, I, I don't think Mike Vrabel is any different with his players today in a losing streak or a bad stretch than he is when they're winning. And I think he's, he's honest when he says like, no, I don't change any, like I'm, I coach, I listen, I teach, I am who I am. I, I think that it doesn't mean that he doesn't need to evolve some of those techniques maybe, but like I, I, I don't think there's much to the um, losing control of the locker room, uh, Tehran asking that question, or him getting feisty with Rex Road a couple of weeks ago. Like, I just don't think there's much to that. I think people are frustrated they're losing, and that's a normal. And he's he's frustrated at a regular press conference. <laughs> like, yeah, when he's I just, mean, like, I here's the thing about that is that. Uh, it was Curtis Painter. That's who they lost to, by the way. Curtis Painter. Not not to be confused with Kyle Orton, neckbeard. Different different yeah, Purdue Curtis quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I I think you have to take if 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 it was like, and not to disparage Imani Hooker, but I don't know. I, I guess because there's very so many so few players to actually come out and speak, you know, in these in front of the press, right? That that are at the podium and you get asked, you get the locker room guys, but like money hooker is the first one that came to mind. If money hooker is on the podium and said, Oh, well, you know, Derek or uh, Mike Vrabel, you know, you know, no, we're good in the locker room with Mike Vrabel. Like, yeah, that doesn't really hold a lot of weight. Derek Henry, on the other hand says again, for like the fifth time in like three weeks. And I keep harping and telling everybody this, that it, it's the players. It's the mess. It's the same message, which you can argue whether that same message should still be used. But it's the same message that works. And Derek Henry says we all believe in the message. It's the same message. We know that it works. We just have to execute. And I think it was Gentry Estes, uh, PK was talking about this morning. Said like, how many of these players on this team, like run through the starters real quick, come from losing programs, like college programs, college. Sam pros. I mean, like really go through it. So how many of these guys really know what it takes to pull out of a rut like this? Like how many players know how to handle the pressure of this kind of locker room environment where you guys are the problem, you know, like the players are the problem. Like think about that. Right. I mean, like Derek Henry, 
you know, oh, yeah, no, I guess yeah. you could argue like Will Levis, but like a lot of these guys are so far removed from any kind of losing season. I would say Ryan Tannehill would be your closest guy, right? With the Miami Dolphins, and it was every yeah. this bad under Miami Dolphins and Adam Gates. So, like, um, how many players have the experience of being able to be part of a team that has started out this way and pulled themselves up? Like, that's the other thing. Like, how many of these players, even if they started at a loser, you know, pro, would Danico Autry? Would Danico Autry count? Maybe. Uh, man, I mean, I'd have, have have the, to, I'd have to check the records there, but I'm 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 literally looking at the I'm looking at it right now, and it's like anybody that be like from, Oakland back in 2017, right? Would be no, that was Derek Carr. So they were six and ten, but they were I'm twelve sure. and four the year before, seven and nine, three and thirteen. So like Danico I mean, Autry's how, rookie year, they were three and thirteen. Okay. I mean, Spear, Spears w- went to a New Year's Six Bowl last year at <laughs> Tulane, of all yeah. people. Uh, I'm looking at this, too. Like, like Wiley, Cincinnati's been a really good program. Um, yeah. I mean, Brunsk, all the guys from the Niners came from a winning organization. Um, Hooker, Hooker, uh, you know, playing for Iowa, while Iowa's never winning championships, they're never bad. So he was always good at... They were always good there. Um, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins didn't I was have a losing season except for his rookie year, I think. Because in 2019 is when he left Houston, and they were still on top at that point in time. Um, you know, they didn't start getting bad. They were 10-6 and six in first in AFC South in 2019. That was his last year. Skaronsky, like, think Skaronsky about that prob- for a second. Skaronsky yeah. probably has, a, has some understanding of it. Yeah, but I mean, is that the guy that you lean on, right? Like, so these rookies, you can't really lean on the rookies to pull you out of this, right? So that's another question you have. Where's the leaders? Could, like, could you spin it? Who, who is going to be the leaders at the end of the year for this team in 2024? Could, could you spin the Skaronsky thing in a positive and say, look, he's a rookie. He's clearly established himself as a starter. Both of those are good things. He's also experienced in this type of situation where a team has to sort of pull together to pull through to the end. And by the end of the season, you want him to, frankly, next year go into next season as like one of the guys. Like he he needs yeah. to be one of the leaders next year. So you could argue this experience is all part of his growth process into one of the best offensive linemen on the team. I mean, in theory, he should be the best offensive lineman on the team next year. Like he's yeah. probably the best offensive lineman on the team right now. So, so I, I think, but you're right though. I'm looking at like Harold Landry didn't, He's never really been through this, but Boston College wasn't all that great. Um, there's some Auburn. McCreary's probably dealt with some stuff at Auburn. That's probably a, a roller coaster ride there. Um, man, but again, you're talking about young guys. Like that's yeah. that's that's that yeah. kind of ties into this whole thing. Is like by the end of 2023, who are the leaders going into 2024? Because you're going to lose leaders, right? You're losing Ryan Tannehill. You're likely losing Derek Henry. You already lost Kevin Byard. Yeah. <laughs> Who are the leaders of this team? Because you need leaders to step up. I mean, but it's too, interesting too big to think one. about. I thought that was a really interesting kind of like way to view is like how many of these players, including Mike Vrabel, who's never really gone through losing seasons like this. I mean, you talk about all of his times at the Patriots and the, anything that was, you know, bad was like 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? I, and then I, he comes in. Houston was was still on top when he came through Houston. Um, they were first in AFC South, you know, multiple times when he was there. He came from Ohio State before that. Like, not a lot of not a lot of right, these right. players and people in leadership um, have have a lot of experience with losing Ch- culture. Chig and Duncan, both from Maryland, is interesting. Again, young, that, young like, very young. But you're asking who, who? If I would have circled names, 
in in the summer of 2024 and said which names do you do you need based on sort of like personality and and being like into their third year i would have circled chig and elijah molden as two very yeah. important very, very smart very vocal very talented players that have a lot of upside that are going to be in their third seasons like those are two guys that i would have circled and said those two guys need to be pretty top of the food chain when it comes to leadership on offense and defense and maybe we're seeing that with molden and that's a great thing and we're not with Chig, and that's obviously a bad thing. So I, th- I think you know those are the kinds of personalities that I would say lead to that. And I do think you can start to ask Skaronsky to be that at, at the end of the year, yeah. not right now, but like going into next year. I think that's okay. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting is around a lot. He's been around a lot, and if he comes back next year, could be a guy. Um, he's a pretty vocal guy on the sidelines and on and, and in practice. So, uh, but no, I think it's a good question. Uh, we didn't have any time for. I think you're right. The entire analysis of the Panthers is like, don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, just don't fuck it up. That's the entire analysis. There's so much college football stuff. Tennessee, you need to play Nico a little bit this weekend against Vanderbilt. Uh, I think Alabama rolls against Auburn. No idea how they win. I do think Florida and C- South Carolina could pull upsets on Florida State and Clemson. But um, is it an upset without Jordan Travis? Well, Florida doesn't have their starting quarterback either. Graham Mertz is out, so... Uh, I, I, it is. There's but Florida was kind of a struggling number four. They weren't as good as what on their performances were not indicative of their ranking, in my opinion. Maybe so they, like, were more, they were more quarterback dependent than maybe like yeah. Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia. I agree with that part. But I think if you're if you're a, a, an Alabama fan or a Georgia fan and you want some baked in security to get into the postseason. Oh, you're rooting for Florida. You are rooting for Florida hardcore here. You're rooting for Oregon State against Oregon. You're rooting for Washington State against Washington. That's not going to happen. Um, and honestly, you probably want Michigan to win against Ohio State. Ugly. And I will say this. I and I think rivalry week is good everywhere but the SEC this year. Like, this is a stinker of a rivalry slate. Like, I just don't think there's going to be that many good football games to watch. Like, you might they be may right. be close games, but they may, but I think the product on the field is going to be shitty. Uh, so, Kentucky's won like three in a row against Louisville. Louisville's playing for a playoff spot. That's a seven point spread on the road. That could be a good game. I think Florida's going to be very good at home against Florida State, playing for a playoff spot. That's an important game. South Carolina is going to be desperate against the Clemson team that they beat last year. That's a seven-point spread. That could be a good game. Jaden Daniels is trying to win the Heisman against Texas A&M. I think you're underselling, like for Georgia and you're Alabama. Selling it. Like, come on, Clemson's going to wipe the floor with South Carolina. Georgia against Georgia Tech. No, no, Georgia State. You could maybe interest me in watching two shitty quarterbacks, but it's not going to be a good quarterback. A quarter. It's not going to be a good game. Georgia and Alabama will not be good games. I agree. Although you never, you, you never know in the iron bowl, but I do think Missouri's only a seven point favorite on the road against Arkansas. They hate each other a lot more than you think. I, I everything's within like seven points. There's seven points spread all across. Tennessee is going to blow out Vanderbilt. That's, that's another bad one. The egg bowl is only a 10 point spread on Thanksgiving. That's one of the best games of all time. And, and Will Rogers and Marks are back healthy for Mississippi state. So I think really what matters is if you're a Bama fan or a Georgia fan and you want to, and you both want to have a path to the playoff, you need to be a hardcore Florida Gators fan this weekend. That is, that is number one on, on the, on the play sheet <laughs> is yeah. root for Florida to beat Florida state. Also you need Texas tech to beat Texas as well. That's only, that's a 12 point spread. They could in theory lose that. If Texas wins, they clinch a play, they clinch a spot in the big 12 championship game. So keep an eye on that as well. I think we've done enough here. Uh, do appreciate you guys hanging out with us early this week. I hope everybody has a great and awesome Thanksgiving. 
Get all your booze from Sinkers Beverages or Blue Gas Beverages. And uh, take a look at the Kingston Group's website and social accounts over the weekend. Uh, if you need a little break from the family or football, awesome stuff. Just flat out amazing work. The message isn't stale. The talent is there. The execution is there. The leadership is there. It's fantastic. So go uh, go check out the Kingston Group's work uh, on the website there. They're amazing. Uh, D Good says, hook them. I do think they're going to win, and I think they clinch a spot in the Big 12 title game. But if you're a fan of another team, you might be rooting for them to lose that that game. Sorry, Herndon. Uh, other than that, uh, have a great weekend. Zach, stackingtheinbox.com, at FWordsPod on Twitter.com. And you got, uh, of course, FWordsPod coming back next week. So it's just a great weekend. Enjoy it. Um, give thanks to what you, for what you got. Football, family, food, drinking. It's all great. Uh, have a good one, everybody. For Zach, I am Braden. Thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you on Monday.